Welcome, everyone, to the Predictably Treacherous Podcast. Today's episode is Banachek, the Two Million Clams of Captain Jack. This episode was directed by Richard T. Heffron, Cheryl Hendricks, Pat Fielder, and Richard Bluell, and written by Stanley Ralph Ross. That's a lot of goddamn directors. The original air date was February 7th, 1973. Let's get right to the episode summary. Banachek is hired to retrieve valuable stock certificates stolen from a major food company on the eve of a planned merger. Or alternatively, that episode with the Highliner Fish Sticks guy. The Crime. Sue, we're at the uh, Baron Banknote Building, alliterative. An old guy is opening a large safe in the presence of a security guard and a hapless insurance agent. They pull out a cloth wrap containing a stack of security certificate plates for the dystopian-sounding United Foods Company. The old guy is a tech who prints new certificates from the original plates. The old guy looks like he smells like an ashtray. He has a ratty old cardigan with holes in the shoulder. The three leave with the certificate plates in a briefcase. The old guy is telling the hapless insurance agent uh, that they are going to run off 50 certificates at 1,000 shares each. So they're about to get in a security elevator that only has two stops. Um, there are three guards now, and the lead guard with the briefcase gets on the elevator when suddenly the old guy clutches his chest and he collapses at the drinking fountain. So the hapless insurance man and the other two security guards stay with the old guy at the drinking fountain. They tell the security guard, go ahead, and he goes down the elevator alone. And when he gets to the bottom, um, the elevator doors open and there's just the empty briefcase in the elevator. The Banachek intro. So Banachek, being an everyman, is of course playing touch football in a park with a group of middle-aged guys, including the hapless insurance agent who was present at the robbery. So the insurance agent's boss, Mr. Morgan, arrives. He played the head of the CIA in an episode of Columbo, Season 5, Identity Crisis, with Leslie Nielsen. Pretty good episode. Um, it also had Patrick McGuhan, who's excellent. Over-the-top excellent. Mr. Morgan wants Banachek on the case. He wants the stock certificate plates returned within 48 hours. Let's back up here and take some stock as to what's happening. So remember in the pilot episode when the armored car was robbed and uh, what happened was it was explained very thoroughly that the insurance agent, or sorry, the insurance agency was required to, after two months, I think it was two months or 60 days, 90 days, something like that, if they were not able to recover the stolen goods, they were required legally to put out an ad in the newspaper um, saying that there would be a 10% reward for the return of the goods. 
And Banachek, his whole thing was, well, I, I just respond to these ads and I uh, get stuff back. So we went from that to, okay, let's draw. I mean, for the episode's sake, uh, it just makes more sense just to drop this whole 90-day or 60-day thing. And they, they basically almost right away, like episode two and onward, um, they just dropped that. So it was right away. As soon as there was robbery, Banachek could go and try and get stuff back. And then after that, it was, well, um, it's no longer like an ad in a newspaper. It's no longer just anyone can do it. Basically, just Banachek's going to do it. And maybe the insurance agents, and he'll be in competition with them. And then it was like, well, let's just drop that. Um, now it's basically just, okay, there is some goods that are stolen. They're insured. The insurance company, usually the head of the insurance company, like the main guy, just comes directly out to Banachek and says, we want you to get the stuff back. We'll give you 10%. Um, and our insurance agents, they're going to help you. So it's really, he's really no longer this um, uh, libertarian anarcho-capitalist who's just making his way in the world and he's super successful and really good at what he does. Now it's just, he's just got this really cushy job. I mean, he just... He basically goes to investigate these problems. He gets paid a, an extortionately high commission. Like, he's going to make $200,000 on just this job. And basically, like, he's the only one investigating it, and he's getting the, the help of the insurance agency, and then they're going to pay him $200,000. Um, okay, just wanted to point out how the, the this has morphed over time. Okay, so the disgruntled insurance agent... So the agent lets us know and Banachek know that they've already investigated this, lucky for Banachek, that the engraver, that is the tech guy, the old smelly tech guy, he regularly gets dizzy spells. And so they cleared him of any wrongdoing because it seemed kind of suspect that suddenly he clutched his chest and like, I don't know, you know, fell at the drinking fountain just so that the security guard would go down in the elevator on his own. Um, okay. So the guard, also the one who went down the elevator, uh, he was found a block away from the building unconscious. And he is currently in jail on suspicion of being black. I mean, of robbery. Uh, but he claims he was innocent. So it seems he previously served time in jail for armed robbery. Now, also, Captain Jack's company that is being acquired by United Foods, um, and United Foods is owned by a guy named Sloan. So Mr. Morgan invites Banachek to a cocktail party so that he can talk with Sloan and with Captain Jack to get more information. And the insurance man is upset and defensive about this whole thing. The ladies' man. Okay, so now um, at Banachek's home, he and Felix are reviewing slides, like slides, of Sloan, Captain Jack, and Captain Jack's attractive daughter. And Felix is going through their backstories, which he seems privy to for some reason. It seems Captain Jack and his brother had a falling out years ago. The daughter arrives, and hey, it's Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development, and she looks great. Um, now, she has also been in a Columbo episode previously. Season 4, Mind Over Mayhem, 
a very good episode, by the way. Now, she invites Banachek to take her out to lunch so that they can discuss what's happening with the plates. Now, she purports to have an interest because she is due 10% of her father's business, and the merger has been delayed as a result of the theft. So they head out to a restaurant called, quote, Steak Joint, which is one of the all-time great names for a restaurant, by the way. They flirt, and he invites her to the cocktail party with Sloan and Captain Jack. They leave, and she kisses him in the car. <laughs> I mean, you, you met the guy an hour and a half ago. You flirted with him, got him to take you out for lunch. Now you're kissing him in the car? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Uh, so anyways, um, he drops her off at the airport because apparently somehow she is a traffic reporter and she needs to catch a helicopter. I don't know why they chose that. These episodes, they got some wild stuff going on. I mean, this episode is directed by like four or five people. Well, come on, what is going on? All right. The Polish proverb. So we get a Polish proverb in this episode. Let's listen to it. Thomas, I do envy you your self-discipline. I would always opt for pleasure over business. There's an old Polish proverb that says, when an owl comes to a mouse picnic, it's not there for the sack races. Which means that Miss Osborne may be coming on a little too strong for just fun and games. Thomas, I refuse to believe that there's an old Polish proverb about Erika Osborne. See you later. Listen to that. Sounds like they're at a medieval times dinner or something. All right. So later on, there's a funny little scene or, or not funny, but I, I thought it was sort of ironic or I don't know whether there was a shout back. Anyways, duh, what am I talking about? Look, here's the thing. They're at the party later and Jessica Walters, uh, who played Lucille Bluth in Arrested Development, is at the party with Banachek. Now in the show, she has an old, sorry, in this Banachek episode, she has an old flame named Roger. Now, Roger is at this party, and his current wife, her name is Lucille, which I thought was pretty cool. Anyways, Roger's Lucille does not like Jessica Walters. So Roger's Lucille slaps Arrested Development's Lucille at this party. And then Arrested Development's Lucille and Banachek have to leave. I just thought that was interesting. I'm sure that it's complete coincidence and that when they were uh, putting Arrested Development together, they did not look back at some obscure Banachek episode and say, hey, let's call her Lucille. It's probably just a total coincidence. Maybe it was a popular name back then. All right. So um, let's. that's enough of all this crap. So Banachek, save us from all this pointlessness. So now Banachek is in his home with Crawfish and the hapless insurance agent. And nobody else, because it doesn't really matter. I mean, basically just need to explain it to the insurance guys. Nobody else really matters. So Banachek explains how it all went down. Here's what happened. Howard Hanrahan really did suffer his dizzy spell at the moment when Spencer stepped toward the elevator. Well, lucky for you, Penniman. Otherwise, you and Hanrahan would also have been found unconscious in a vacant lot somewhere. You see, Spencer didn't step into the real elevator he stepped into a duplicate elevator hanging beneath the real one. 
and he was immediately gassed in unconsciousness by pressing the eighth floor button on the specially rigged button panel. The button activated the spray of knockout gas as well as being hot wired to the starter on the real elevator. Esposito worked for a firm of building contractors. So it wasn't all that difficult for him to doctor the elevator so it would stop just above where it was supposed to on the first floor and exactly where it was supposed to on the eighth. So when the real elevator opened, Spencer wasn't there. He was in the dummy elevator suspended just below. But there was no way for any elevator to get to the basement. They had those bars that stuck out three inches on each side. Right, but the dummy elevator was built three and a half inches narrower. It fit right through those bars. So, when the real elevator was returned to its right position on the first floor, the dummy elevator hung below the main floor. Esposito immediately turned off the electromagnetic power source. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you know it was electromagnetic? I don't. Let's say it was four quick-release bolts. Anyhow, Esposito detached the elevator. He could get to it through the repair door. The panels could be broken down from behind and removed. It only took Esposito a short time to dismantle a dummy elevator and replace the panels back where they wouldn't be noticed, stacked right in with the regular room dividing walls. Spencer was still unconscious. So Esposito took him out of basement exit, drove him a few minutes away, dumped him, and then returned by the time the police arrived. So, uh, where are the plates? Look, in Captain Jack's house, I think you'll find them. There wasn't time enough Friday night to get a safety deposit box. And they wouldn't leave him in the basement. And when you do find him, I expect a check, Crawfish. I know. Banner check. Seriously? I mean, okay. So, where are the plates, Banner check? Well... Just checking Captain Jack's house. Oh, um, are you going to be able to get us a warrant for that? Because we can't just walk over to Captain Jack's house and be like, hey, do you mind if we search your house for these stolen plates? <laughs> like, come on, man, there's no evidence. You just told them a bunch of... You just made up a story and told them. <laughs> like, that doesn't help. And that's it, eh? It's like you don't even know where they are, if they're really there. You're just saying, no, oh, they're probably there. And when they are, you can pay me a bunch of money. It's like, yeah, I could have told you they were there. But that's not the point. Anyways, okay. Sorry, it's enough of that. Um, so there we have it. That's the end of that episode. So another uh, ho-hum Banachek episode. So we're at the end of uh, season one of Banachek, and we are at the end of season two of the Predictably Treacherous podcast. So next week, or next episode, will be season three, episode one of the Predictably Treacherous podcast podcast and who knows what will be in store i don't know we'll see um but we're probably going to be doing a new television show season whether it be colombo or something else i haven't really decided yet or not willing to disclose as well um i will of course be peppering in um episodes where i look at various b movies like the mill creek collections um continuing with um the Mill Creek sci-fi collection and I'll be looking at other B collections, B movie collections as well as things like the Twilight Zone episodes so tune in next week thank you for listening today 
Check out the show notes for this episode or any episode on my website at ptpod.xyz. The show notes contain the links to all my sources and products that were referenced in the episode. You can write a glowing review of my podcast on iTunes or Google Play. There are handy-dandy links in the menu on my website at ptpod.xyz. And you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ptpod. The intro music for today's episode was Sweeter Vermouth, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Check out the link in the show notes. Thank you.